Well, I would like, I have a pleasure today of, of uh, introducing a guest speaker for us. That's Cam Taylor. Uh, when I met Cam, he was part of a, um, it, was, it was in a different role. I was training to, to be a transitional pastor. And uh, he was looking after, uh, it was from an organization that uh, was, was um, providing the training. They split it off, and it's now Transitional Leadership is the name of the organization. And, and it's Cam Taylor. So, and I want to welcome you because Cam, as you know, has been, um, he's, we've been talking and meeting with him about our, our prayer emphasis that's coming up and other things. And Cam is going to bring the message from the Word today. And it's interesting because the series that I had planned, the message in my series for today was going to be about prayer. I don't think that's a coincidence. I think, I think God knew what he was doing. So I want to pray for Cam. Come on up, Cam, and make sure that mic's working. And uh, let's just pray for him. Father, thank you for Cam, your servant. I pray as he, as he speaks to us today, it would just soak into our hearts, resonate with our spirits, because it's from you, from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, and my sound is good, and away we go. Good stuff. Thanks, John. I've known John now for... I don't know how many years, it's going on maybe 15, <laughs> but we're still very, we're both young men yet, so there you go. It's all relative. I, somebody told me old is 15 years older than you are, so, so I'm not old, and <laughs> neither is anybody else because it's all relative. It's just a number. Well, I want to talk about prayer, and prayer has been something that I've lived with all my life. i grew up in a Christian home. My dad was a pastor, so prayer was something that I learned very young. But I still, even at this stage in my life, I sometimes ask the question, why do we pray? What's the purpose of prayer? Does prayer work? And, the, um, and I think that's a question we all ask. We go through difficulties and trials and tribulations, and, and we have things happen in our lives where we wonder, God, where are you? You say, come and pray, and, and, and we come to him, and maybe nothing happens, or we don't get the answer we want. So prayer is one of those, there's a mysterious part to prayer, but yet it's, it's something we're commanded to do and told to do. And there's all kinds of prayers. I, I love reading about kids' prayers. Well, this one night, Mike's parents overheard him praying in his bed, and the prayer went like this, Now I lay me down to rest and hope to pass tomorrow's test. If I should die before I wake, that's one less test I have to take. <laughs> Great prayer. Another uh, little boy, he said, he offered this prayer. He said, Dear God, please take care of my daddy and my mommy and my sister and my brother and my doggy and me. And please take care of yourself, God, because if anything happens to you, we're, we're going to be in a big mess. <laughs> that is so true. God, we, sometimes we say, God, don't you desert me or don't you... <laughs> Go away from me because I'm desperate for you. Well, there was three Christians who were talking in a social distance, of course, in a park, and there was a BC Hydro guy kind of working off in the distance, and they were talking about the best posture for prayer. Maybe you've thought about this. What's the best posture? You know, what's, what makes prayer work? So this one guy said, my best posture is kneeling, absolutely. The next friend said, no, no, that's ridiculous. My best posture is with my hands outstretched towards heaven. That's, that's when it really works. And the other guy said, no, you're all wrong. The best posture for prayer is laid out flat on the floor, prostrate on the floor. That's when God really hears you. Well, the B. 
BC Hydro guy just couldn't resist. He said, guys, I can't help but overhearing you, but I disagree with all of you. The best posture for prayer is hanging by your, your fingernails from a telephone pole. <laughs> That's the best posture for prayer. So I don't know if you're in a posture today where, where you're able to peacefully, maybe you're sitting in a chair metaphorically or actually, or maybe for you prayers become something there's some desperation in your prayers these days, or maybe your prayers have grown a little bit stale and, and quiet and not too invigorated, and that happens to me for sure. But I want to look at prayer as it relates to the life of Jesus and how it was so central in his life and then how it integrated with everything that he did, which I believe prayer is not something that we park off to the side somewhere as an activity or a discipline I believe that prayer is something that we that permeates our whole lives and at the very core of it it's all about relationship and I think it's about relationship with God I think that's obvious that we pray to God and he speaks to us in prayer and so on but prayer is also something in the New Testament where we're invited into prayer in community it's not just something we do on our own it's also something we do with others and in community. But I also believe that prayer impacts the life that we live, the work that we do, the way we spend our days. And I think prayer has all three of those aspects. And I want to talk about that and use a very simple little diagram here for you. No, no fancy PowerPoints for me today. Just a simple diagram on a piece of paper. And I want to talk about prayer from this point of view. And I want to read together with you a passage of Scripture from Luke chapter 6. So Luke chapter 6 is our passage, verse 12 to 18. And the context is, this is just early on in Jesus' ministry, and he is preparing himself to move out into ministry with his disciples. But up until this point, he did not have those disciples chosen. So... This is where we pick up the story. Verse 12 of Luke 6 says, One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them, whom he also designated apostles. Simon, whom he named Peter, his brother Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was called the, the Zealot, Judas, son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. He went down with them and stood on a level place. The large crowd of his disciples was there, and a great number of people from all over Judea, from Jerusalem, and from the coastal region around Tyre and Sidon, who had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. So here's how I want to set this up. I want to look at the three dimensions to the relational world of Jesus, as I believe is a pattern for us as we think about our relationships and how it relates to prayer and the work that God has called us to. So the first thing we see in this story is that Jesus, he does this multiple times. He really models for us the life of a Christ follower. He started with this upward-focused relationship. Got up early in the morning. In this case, this was an all-nighter. I haven't done an all-nighter for years, and I'm not sure I could do it. 
<laughs> I don't think I could stay awake all night, but Jesus was so passionately in love with his father, and he was, he was modeling to us this, I need to know what my father is up to, because I'm about to start into something that is very important. So he spent all night with his father, and the word I have there in your notes is he, he looked up. And that really represents his focus that was Godward. That when it comes to relationships, you know, this is what we think of when we think of prayer. We think of looking up to the Father, connecting to the Father. And I think at the very core, our prayer lives are definitely an individual connection with our Father in heaven who loves us through Jesus Christ. We've accepted that forgiveness. We we recognize that he loves us. He's fond of us. He's He's the one that has our best interest in mind. And so prayer at the very core is this regular upward look. And it, it has to start in our own hearts. And if there's anything that's kind of getting in the way of that upward look, that's going to mess everything else up, right? <laughs> so he always, every, every morning, early in the morning, would get up and spend much time just in that upward gaze, connecting with his father. Wondering, not just talking to his father, but listening to his father. And we see that here where we're going to get to that. This was, prayer is not a monologue. It is a dialogue. <laughs> and sometimes we come to God and it's pretty much a monologue. God, bless my sister, help my, uh, my brother's foot who's sore. I mean, we have the list of asks that we come to God with. I have them, you have them, I'm sure. And we treat prayer kind of as a monologue. But for Jesus, that was not what it was for him. It was this, it was a relationship. And to have a relationship that is able to be sustained and, and quality and interactive, you have to have a give and take. God, what are you saying to me? Here's what I'm bringing to you, but I certainly want to listen. Isn't that worship? Hearing from God and then being able to speak back our words and our praises and our, and our adorations. So Jesus started his day. This was paramount to him, this upward focus to look up. And that definitely is prayer. But let's, let's move this out into kind of what came next. You see right there in the passage, when he came down, after he spent the night in prayer, what did he do next? Now, if we were, in this, if we were together in the room, I might even ask you. Now, I, there's a few people scattered around here. But what did he do next? He called his disciples to him. So the next thing that he did is he brought this group. So we use the word in that represents that. He leaned in. So he invited them to lean in with him. Prayer for Jesus started with this dialogue with the Father. He got his instructions from the Father, and then he went and he formed this community with these disciples. And these, he spent most of his time with the 12, and even more time with the three of those 12, which was very important. So this leaning in, is an important part of our journey with God. And as it relates to prayer, yes, it's true. Our relationship with God is, is paramount, and Jesus came, and there is 
aspects of Christian community that I'm not really touching on, but one of the key aspects is the life with God that we have with one another. It's so important. That prayer in Jesus' model, he said, his disciples came to him and said, teach us how to pray. And then he gave them the Lord's Prayer, this model prayer to use. So he was teaching them how to integrate the relationship with God with their own lives and, and how to actually pray for things and worship God and all that kind of thing. So we see the interaction that's going on here. He called his disciples to be with him. And prayer is part, prayer, praying with others is a critical part, I believe, to our, our own growth and our ability to really feel supported and connected. That if it's just you and it's just you or me and God, that's a lonely existence. And we are created to be in community. Now, there's times when we're in a bit of a prison and we do need to nurture that personal relationship, but we also need to nurture this community with one another and with God. It's a very powerful thing. And, and I'll just draw a big, huge circle here because that is, that is such an important aspect to our Christian journey, to our Christian life. And when some of you are going to be involved in this 100 days of prayer that we're kicking off uh, this week, this is really critical to be praying together because it builds community when we pray together. We get to know each other. We understand each other. But we're also able to listen to God together and to be able to, did you hear, I heard this. How does that sound based on what you're hearing? Because God speaks to us through his word, definitely. He speaks to us through his Holy Spirit, through prayer, but also through the body. So prayer is this life, this journey that we have together of this looking up and also leaning into each other and, and bringing our concerns to one another and sharing those, those pains and those difficulties and challenges. You know, my, my life has been a little bit, I could use the word, well, crazy is maybe a word that we can relate to, but very challenging this last year. I, um, May, so May 14th, 2020, um, my wife passed away of, with cancer. And we, it was as soon as COVID hit last year, that was exactly the time when we got the diagnosis for stage four cancer, right around that time. And yes, thankfully, so I look at this, this whole reality here. I'm so thankful that God was with us, with me, with my wife, our family, our friends, going through that difficult journey. And then knowing that, that uh, there came a point when we had to say, okay, God, she's yours. And she wasn't healed. We prayed for that. So there was lots of praying. There was lots of, God, help us, these prayers of desperation and, and knowing full well that he could heal her, but knowing that he didn't heal her and he took her to be with himself. And, and then it was sort of during that time as I'm grieving and I, I got myself into this group of three. So we're talking about triads, you know, these, these prayer triplets. And I started praying with two other friends from my my church community. I go to a, I'm a part of a church in mission and, and wonderful group of, wonderful family that I'm with in that, in that community. And so the one gal, she's like around 30 and my other friend, he's like early 60s. So we have a nice good spread of ages and uh, 
And the three of us pray every Tuesday morning on Zoom at 7 o'clock. And we started that back in the summer when I was like, I needed a community where I could be supported and pray together and listen. And I needed a place where we could share what is God saying to you and, and what's really going on. And, and I just, I found such strength from that, such encouragement from that. And that's what I think, that is what Christian community is all about. But there's a but. <laughs> but there's more. Okay, there's more. This is where I want to move this to. So, because it also relates to my own story, and was that all there was to my story of, I went through this horrific loss, and I needed this support, and uh, prayer was a big part of that, and, and Christian community, and the integration of that was huge. But there is one more part to this, which became very, very important for me, and I think there's, a, there's something here for us as a Christian community that we want to listen to, and that is this third aspect of the, the way that Jesus thought about relationships and I think how we can think about prayer. There's this outward aspect. This here is not all there is. It's not enough for us to have this wonderful, you could call it a holy huddle. <laughs> it's holy because God's there and we're enjoying it, man. It's like, it's sweet. And I would say the same about these the three of us, on Tuesday morning. That's a sweet, holy huddle. Because <laughs> it's a holy place. But it's not all there is. Jesus, what did Jesus do next? We see it right there in the passage. He didn't just call these 12 together so that they could just have a good time, <laughs> eat bread together and go fishing together and all these kinds of things. No, what did he, what was he doing? What was this all about? It was so that they could go out on mission together. So the word there is launch out. So they're launched out with it. We, we launch out with this inspiring mission that God calls us to. So prayer, putting this in the context of prayer, we pray, we, we pray together with others, not just about our own needs. So let me go back to my own story. So I'm, and absolutely we need times when we're focusing on ourselves, when we need that support and we're hurting and, and, and I know that firsthand. But as I was being healed and as I was being nurtured in community by God and, and I, I get choked up about this because this is real stuff, and I believe it's, it's, so, it's been so true for me. So I don't like to talk about things that are just theory. So this is real. Okay, this is totally real. So I'm talking together with these two people, and the one gal who's about 30, she's, she's in a counseling program, and, and she's had some losses in her life. And so we're talking about this, and I'm thinking, you know, I think I, and it was my birthday, so I turned 60 last October 3rd. Just so you know, full disclosure, I don't, I usually am pretty honest and open about things. And that's why I say I'm so young. Okay, do you see what I'm saying? <laughs> and I'm sitting at Starbucks. So you get the free drink on the Starbucks, so I got the biggest drink possible. And, and I was outside, of course. I mean, I, I, I don't know. If, I went for a nice bike ride. I'm having this big Starbucks. I had my journal with me, and I'm, I'm going, I'm praying. So this, 
yeah, this was a little bit, this was this. Okay, I'm with God. But it definitely had been informed by my community, big time. And God says to me, and this was also, people had said this to me while I was grieving and while I was on my journey. They said, you really have been a mentor for grieving people. So I, I, I heard that. So I'm sitting in Starbucks, outside Starbucks, writing in my journal, and God says to me, you are going to be a grief mentor. <laughs> it's a bit of a heavy when you think about it. Who am I to mentor other people who are grieving? So I think sometimes we react to that. We say, well, I, that, sounds like, that sounds a bit like um, Moses. <laughs> who am I to speak to these people? And God says, because I'm calling you to this. And I had a similar kind of reaction. Who am I? I don't know that much about grief. Goodness sakes, I've got my experience, but it's a huge topic. <laughs> and I, I, don't, I don't know, Lord, but okay, so I'm listening. And so I'm going, I'm going back to my group, and I'm saying, you know, I think, I think I need to figure out a way to help grieving people. And so one of the gals, this one gal in here, we, her and I realized that, you know what, I think we should pair up and, and do a group. Thinking, okay, well, I've learned a few things. <laughs> wrote a few notes down, have some journal entries, so let's put that into a little course, right? And so we actually, in January, we ran a six-week grief course on Zoom, because that's all we could do, and we reached out to our church community and a few other odds and ends, <laughs> other people that I knew that came into that group, and it was a really a wonderful experience of just sharing and listening to stories and and. What I realized was that, and I've seen this happen over and over again, even in the church community I'm a part of in mission, and when I look back over my life, I was a pastor for like 18 years and, and have been a coach now and, and doing training and helping people for the last, I lost track, I don't know. Um, it's a few years anyways. But what, it, what I realized is that God gave me, you know, he he was working in my life. He was healing me. He was, he was speaking to me. I was speaking to him in prayer, and, and I was in community. And then together, I was able to go on, this, go on a mission, and I'm continuing to find ways to be that grief mentor. But what I'm also realizing, it, it is a part of the mission that I'm on with my Christian family and community. And I think there's something there for us as church families and for this church family as you consider what is God up to? What is he saying to you? What's your future look like? What does he want you to do? What's your unique contribution in this community? And we've had some of those conversations already a little bit, but this time of prayer, I really firmly believe, is an opportunity to be directed by God on our mission. Not just to bring our needs and concerns right now to him, but to ask God, based on my experiences, based on my gifts and my talents and who I am, what do you want me to do with all this? That is a very important question. We have not been given all these resources to sit on. I have not been given my grief, my loss, my experiences Add a throw in there another motorcycle accident 10 years ago where I almost died and went through three years of recovery and wrote a book about that. And, 
you know, add that trauma to this, and I'm thinking, okay, God, I, I'm getting a message here. You want me to take my story and share it with others and find those people who are out there without hope, <laughs> with, without this incredible, beautiful thing that we have, this holy huddle that we're enjoying. <laughs> and what I wish for you, as I wish for myself, is that when we take the time to pray together and listen to what God is saying, that we will know what that launching out looks like, not to jump at it too soon and not to try to figure it out on our own. Sometimes, sometimes we do this, right? We do only this, and we cut this off. We don't, okay, God, I'll figure this out. Get together with our friends. We're going to figure out how to go on a mission together. That's totally wrong because that's not, you don't want your mission. You want God's mission. You want God to speak with you and to you. And yeah, it's messy. <laughs> I think this is about how messy it is. It's not necessarily a straight line to figure that out. I love this quote by um, Corey Ten Boom. Is prayer your steering wheel or your spare tire? Did you catch that? <laughs> is prayer your steering wheel, wheel or your spare tire? What was it for Jesus? steering wheel now he was god we know that he probably could have just woke up that morning had his coffee did they drink coffee back then i'm not sure i think it was a later invention but anyways <laughs> had his green tea and then called his 12 disciples he was god wasn't he well he lived we are to pattern our lives after jesus so he is giving us a a reproducible model <laughs> Because guess what? We don't know how to steer the car. He didn't have his green tea and call his 12. He spent all night in prayer, getting his directions, inviting his 12 to be together, and then he took them on mission. And every day he was figuring this out through prayer and through connection with, with his family, with his community. And I think that is a powerful lesson for us. Another, another quote that I came across, Julian of Norwich. And I believe reading a little bit about her, she was one of these saints that I think we, could, we want to pay attention to. She learned a few things about the contemplative life and how important that was. The whole reason why we pray is to be united into the vision and contemplation of God to whom we pray. <laughs> now we could say there's more to prayer than that, but I think there's something there. Let me read that again. The whole reason why we pray is to be united into the vision and contemplation of God to whom we pray. Psalm 46.10, Be still and know that I am God. Don't think you have it all figured out because you're smart, because you've been a Christian for 50 years, which that's my story. I've been a Christian for at least 50 years, probably more than that. I'm not smart enough to know what mission I'm supposed to go on. <laughs> I need to receive God's vision in community so that I'm on track with what he is up to. I think we get into trouble when we, when we try to do things that God isn't in on because we think we know what we're supposed to do, but we really haven't listened 
well enough and gotten those directions right. And that's what the 100 days of prayer is about for you as a congregation. To listen long enough, hard enough, to gather in community, to support each other, to, to pray together and listen together and read the scriptures together and think about different ways to look at what you're all about as a church. It's interesting that the church really exists for those who aren't yet a part of that church, <laughs> who aren't yet a part of the family. Now, I know we do exist to support each other and love each other, and absolutely, but what is, and, and your pastor Johnny just said, said that again this morning, what does Matthew 28 talk about? The last words of Jesus, some of the last words of Jesus. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore, go and be a holy huddle. Is that what it says? <laughs> no, does not say that, does it? Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, all nations. And I know, even in this community, this community's changed over the years. There's all kinds of different dynamics and diversity going on in our city right now. So we have to figure out, what does that mean for us? Go and make disciples of all nations. Who are the, what part of that is, is, is our job, is our mission? How are we to launch out? And it's scary, and it's not going to be easy, or any of that kind of stuff. Nobody said, nobody said any of this was easy. <laughs> Last time I checked, life was not necessarily easy. But I know going through this last year, when I think about my own life and just being able to lean in and help grieving people, I ran into a, well, I didn't run into them. It was God brought us together. My neighbor knew of a pastor in Abbotsford whose wife had died about two and a half months ago now. So why don't you guys get together? Okay. Grief mentor. All right. Okay, God. Yes. <laughs> That's what you want me to do. I'll do it. So I, we connected first by phone, then went for a walk, and then we went for a bike ride. And, and then this last bike ride, just about a week, a week or so ago, he said to me, um, am I supposed to pay you for this? <laughs> People don't normally ask me that, but anyways. I said, absolutely not. We're friends. Like, I'm, I'm your friend, and he says, man, you're helping me out so much. And I said, by the way, you're helping me out a lot. <laughs> you know, I'm like, what, seven months ahead of him, my grief, uh, a few months ahead. And I can reflect back on that's what I was going through right then, and this is what he's going through. And, and we just, it was this, it was a beautiful thing. <laughs> It's been a beautiful thing. So when I think, yeah, life is hard, but when you're, on, when you're doing God's work in God's way with God's people, <laughs> there is a, a, a joy. There is a peace. You talk about fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit just boils up or bubbles up from within us when we find out what God is up to, lean in with each other, and then move out, are launched out into the mission that he calls us to do. So there's my challenge today. There's my messy diagram. <laughs> and my invitation to you is, what is God saying to you? As you, regardless of your age, my parents are 86 and 90. I talk to them every week. And, and my dad said, who's 90, he's, they're both moving from a house into this kind of complex, which... It's time, right? Do it before they get 
And some of you probably know what I'm talking about there. So he said to me the other day, he said, I just have this feeling that, I'm, that, I, that God wants me to do something in that home. <laughs> said, you're right. And I've said to him many times, if you're not dead, you're not done. Right? Do I hear an amen on, out in those? Uh, <laughs> that is so true. So I don't care if you're the boy with the, fo- the loaves and the fishes who, what is he, 10 years old? Or you're 90 and you're in a home where um, your plants are sitting on a balcony. I don't care. <laughs> I mean, more importantly, God does not care. He wants to use you wherever you are. He has a mission for you to be on individually, collectively, as a church family. We just need to pay attention long enough and hard enough with enough sincerity and humility and awareness that together we can figure out what that is and with courage move forward into the work he's called us to do. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you that you are with us, that you invite us into this community with you, this communion with you, and that we're not called to be in community with you alone, that you bring us into that community with others who also love you and want to serve you and want to listen to you and hear from you. So I, I just pray that you will be with each person who's listening to this and, and just discerning what you're saying to them. I pray that you will speak to them words of, of direction and comfort and encouragement, regardless of what they're going through. May they find your strength, Lord. May they find your encouragement. And I pray for this church community as they launch into these, these, uh, this time of prayer in a focused way, that you will speak to them that you'll, you'll give them guidance so as they take a hold of the steering wheel, they will know which way to turn and that they won't just think of prayer as the spare tire when things are bad, when I have a flat. That is not it, Lord. May you guide us every single day of our lives, guide us individually, guide us as, as a, a community of believers, guide Abbotsford Baptist in the path, in the direction you have for them to go. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.